What's up, everybody? We are Three Little Boys, and this is The Big Show. Post-week three of the college football season, things are heating up. We're starting to find out who these teams really are and who they really are not. Boys, I am pumped to get into this episode. What say you, Ethan? Um, I say I'm also pumped so that I can rag on your Northwestern Wildcats. <laughs> Because they are just as terrible as I thought they would be. I've never had a take age poorly faster (laughs) than that one did. (laughs) I defended him so hard on the last show. Listen, my my initial take out of the gates was Nebraska coming out of the West. So I'm right in that same boat with (laughs) you. I'm in the very lukewarm section. Because I still kind of believe in Purdue, and like they have two losses. One doesn't really matter in the Big Ten race, and then the other is one that they absolutely needed to win, and they could. But still, they're alive, but they're like on life support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing they going for are. Purdue, uh, we'll get into it later, but obviously plenty to talk about. So today we've got nonsense. And then we're going to go into our week three review of all the games that happened last week and all the action. Then we're going to give you a new segment. We're going to do this every three weeks. Our first quarter grades for each of these teams. We're going to go from valedictorian all the way down to failing grade. And I don't want you guys to think that this is just a regurgitation of the AP poll. Like this is based on preseason expectations. Like how do these teams feel? How do their fans feel? So we'll get into that. And then we're going to pick week four. And hopefully I can bounce back there too and catch up on Ethan a little bit. But so let's get into the nonsense. RG3, the man needs to calm down. Does he understand he's wearing a suit in a booth commentating a football game? We had, when he was commentating the Michigan game, the orgy in the end zone, which was Alex Orgy scored. Okay, you got your funny innuendo in. Now let's move on. He got two in this week when he was commentating Michigan State and Washington. Michael Penix Jr., I think you can already see where this is going, was quarterbacking the Huskies, and RG3 just had to put out there that he had some big Penix energy going on out on the field as he was moving that football up and down the field against Michigan State. But he didn't stop there. Michigan State had like a – it was a bobbled snap, like an early snap on the center's part, and – and RG3 in the booth goes, well, you know what we call that? We call that premature snapulation. I mean, the man cannot help himself. He can't be tamed right now. I mean, the fact that, and I feel like, in all honesty, I feel, for some reason, I feel like RG3 is the only commentator who could get away with stuff like that. Because he just, like, goes off the handles. And I mean... Like it, there, there's an element of, of funniness to it, I suppose. But at the same time, it's just like, what, what are you saying? Like, I, I mean, I think you're on he a, has a on running, a... I, I think he has a running bet with some random 12 year old on the internet for how many of these he can fit into one broadcast. I mean, that's gotta be the case, right? Cause he's, I mean, he's forcing these not to add to it but he is really trying hard. maybe everyone everyone he gets in uh somebody he's got a bet with is giving him 10 g's 
the sad it's not even sad but like the hilarious thing is he's actually like a good color commentator i do enjoy listening to him and then as do i Corey. as do i he he's got he actually has really good in-game analysis as a color commentator he does but like i i don't think i've ever heard an announcer say so many innuendos at at one in one game ever like it's usually like one kind of like comment and then you move on and people kind of forget about it no like he is deliberately wanting you to talk about this this is what rg3 wanted when he got into the broadcast booth he wanted three dumb idiots to go to go on their podcast and talk about all the silly little comments that he made uh in whatever game he was covering so well done rg3 you have you have completed your goal at least specifically with the big show he's winning us over that's for sure so <laughs> let's jump into week three and talk about some of these games. There were some pretty big ones uh, and some not so big ones that were blowouts, but we need to talk about Purdue um, because we literally, all three of us said last week that they're still in it. They're still in the race for the big 10 West. They are right there in the thick of it. And then they go and drop a deuce out against Syracuse Uh, I think Purdue just enjoys giving away football games at this point. So they outgained Syracuse 485. Sorry, I'm just going to give some box score stuff. But they outgained Syracuse 485 yards to 306. O'Connell had a really good game if you just look at the numbers. But he threw a pick six that was just extremely unnecessary with eight minutes left in the game. They had on the game, Purdue, 13 penalties. 13, and it wasn't just the number 13. It was when they happened. They went up 29-25 with 51 seconds left on a touchdown to Durham. They had two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties that forced them to kick off from their own 10-yard line. And then on that Syracuse drive, they had two more penalties that were on Syracuse third downs that extended it. And then Syracuse throws a touchdown pass to take the lead, and, and they don't give it back. I mean, it was pitiful, undisciplined, and there's no excuse for losing that football game. I I just uh, and, and see when I was doing my picks, I, I gave the correct analysis and then gave the wrong pick. I, I said it's it's so hard to win at Syrac at Syracuse, and defense is what you need to go on the road and win, especially in a non-conference game where you're playing an opponent who's definitely up to snuff and Purdue has none of those things. And to compound all of the things that you already said, Alex, they still had a chance to win this game. And I argue should have still won this game. If not for some absolutely horrendous defensive play calling, their coaching has been absolutely abysmal this year so far absolutely horrible and I think it's cost them in both of their losses you are in man-to-man coverage with a backup linebacker covering it, it, it covering a receiver who's running across the field and you have nobody over top when you know that Syracuse needs a touchdown I I, I, w- I was like when I saw the replay and I saw it from you know the zoomed out view and you see the oh you you know you get to see the whole field and the play and the way it takes place. I was absolutely dumbfounded 
watching this chubby little linebacker chub chug after a wide receiver and knowing that there's no way in the in the world that he's ever catching this guy. I mean, Purdue, I am off the bandwagon. There's so much that I could say about that. I will keep it as brief as possible because this is a game that I closely watched this weekend and I live with a I live with a Purdue grad and Purdue fan and he just always he's like as defeated as a Lions fan. He's just like they always just find some way to lose. And this was that game. Oh my gosh. There were so many good things you could pull. Charlie Jones is an absolute freak. They did not use him at all at Iowa. And I don't know how, I don't know why, because that guy is open all of the time. Even when he's double covered, he is open. And him and Aiden O'Connell were like best friends growing up. And like, they have a connection. I mean, Charlie Jones had like, I think 160 yards in two touch or no, just one touchdown in that game. Um, it is incredibly clear that Purdue can put some points on the board. And they did enough, like Ethan said, to win this game. There was so much wrong. Absolutely so much wrong. I think the officiating wasn't very good. That doesn't that doesn't mean that they lost the game. They should have kicked a field goal early in the game when they was it was fourth and three, and they did hurry up offense and they ran a draw. When on earth has Purdue ever run a successful draw? And that was at the beginning of the game. And they end up losing by three points. That's a huge turning point in the game. You could have had points right off the bat, and you did not. Halftime, it was nine to six in this game. And then it ended up, what, going over, I think? There was like 20 points scored by each team in the fourth quarter. So the game was absolutely bananas. But towards the end of the game, when Purdue took the lead, um, and just a masterclass of a drive by Aiden O'Connell, two horrific personal fouls. And one was from the tight end who just scored. And honestly, that was an incredibly weak call. Like, he he didn't do anything. He didn't taunt. He got in the guy's face. But, like, they kind of already started jawing. Didn't push. Didn't do anything. Flag. 15 yards off the kickoff. And then the special teams coach wasn't happy. So he starts drawing at the officials. That kick started the Syracuse drive on the 50. So you you are trying to secure a lead in this football game. And you start the drive on the 50. That is obscene you're gonna you're gonna be screwed either way and then just horrible defensive play calling as ethan said and honestly other calls in on that drive uh in particular there was holding all game from both sides but the the officiating was incredibly inconsistent and then that's when they started to pull out the flags um just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for purdue aiden o'connell makes that boneheaded pass uh, to the what it was like a defensive tackle he never that was his first yeah. interception of the season and it went for six and that does that play doesn't happen they win the game they kick a field goal they send it into overtime there's so many different things Purdue will win football games this year in spite of their coaching and that's clearly evident by the amount of times they've been in these games and close to winning and then really it comes down to lack of discipline and horrible coaching so yeah, Purdue seems like one of those teams that they need to they need to learn how to win. Uh, and they just haven't done that yet. They gotta close these games. Final score that one, 32 for Syracuse, 29 Purdue. Uh let's move on to a team that did take care of business. Uh Michigan crushes UConn 59 to 0. Uh the game was never in doubt from the opening kickoff. Uh I mean, every single phase of the game was dominated by Michigan. There was a punt block, there was a punt return touchdown. Uh, seven different QBs were able to throw a pass for Michigan 
that's how much they blew them out by Harbaugh was just throwing whoever he wanted to out there at the end. Blake Corum did what he does. 12 carries, 71 yards, uh, five rushing touchdowns for him. Do you guys know when was the last time a Michigan running back had five rushing touchdowns in a game? When was that? I'm having a hard time. Ethan, Ethan, when was um, it? Late last season, I think some guy, Hassan Haskins or something like that, uh, he had five touchdowns ha- yeah. against OS. Was that Oklahoma State? No, it was that? Nebraska. It? Oh, okay. Nebraska, yeah. Nebraska. I mean, it looked <laughs> like Nebraska. I knew- yeah. One oh. of three. <laughs> oh, one of three. Uh, one of three team uh, players in Michigan football history to rush for five touchdowns in a single game, joining Hassan Haskins. I, and I can't remember who the other guy is. Long time ago. Me either, but it's impressive nonetheless. I can get used to seeing that. JJ didn't have to do a ton. He was working with a short field a lot of the time, and there were a lot of rushing touchdowns to finish off drives. He went 15 for 18, 214 yards, and didn't turn the ball over. So you love to see that. Um, the Michigan defense shut him out like they should. I don't know how much there is to say just because we know this non-conference is super soft, this first three games for Michigan. But they're doing what great teams do to bad teams. So, I mean, you can't be upset. I think Michigan is a top five team in the country. Um, I, I, I don't think that they've played anybody that they've really been able to show that against yet. But I will say this. I gave you guys the first half over in that game, and it cleared by about, oh, I think it was 16 points. Um, and I said, no matter what that is, you just go on and you hammer that first half over. Michigan cleared it by themselves, by plenty. I told my uh, roommate to put my this month's rent on uh, Michigan's uh, first quarter spread, um, and that hit pretty comfortably as well. So good for him. He made some money. Uh, but also, uh, I actually completed a uh, pass in the game uh, on Saturday as well. <laughs> um, I had an extra year of eligibility, and Harbaugh threw me out there. Um, I want to I want to touch on though. Uh, Cade McNamara got hurt in that game, so he'll be out for uh, a few weeks. So incredibly unfortunate. Just you got to feel for the guy because there was all this stuff about him being booed, and then he gets a standing ovation. You know, this week, rightfully so. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And that was necessary. That was needed. Absolutely. That was very needed for the Michigan fan base. When he came in and I heard that crowd erupt, that was absolutely huge. And he, they, they needed that. He should be, he should be honored uh, because I mean, he did something that, you know, us fans haven't seen in, I mean, decades, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how quickly people forget. And it's a real bummer that, you know, he's going to be hurt, but it, it seems like a the I mean, just due to a lack of you know Cade being there, the quarterback controversy is over for now because you essentially <clears> have no other choice. But b um, maybe you have a capable and competent backup with the fifteen quarterbacks that you saw in the UConn game, somebody who can not lead you to a championship, but at least lead you to not lose. So I don't know. So the backups definitely got a lot of experience. That's for sure. Um, now we're going to go back to another team that has done nothing but disappoint so far. Nebraska gets crushed by Oklahoma 49 to 14, uh, newsflash Nebraska's defense still horrible, still, still bad. They allowed 580 yards of offense 
and Oklahoma was 10 for 16 on third down. Casey Thompson in this game ended up getting replaced in the third quarter when it was 49 to 7. They couldn't run the ball for crap either. Anthony Grant, 13 carries for 36 yards. Um, And get this. So they scored 14 points in the game. They scored a touchdown on their very first drive. Seven points the rest of the game. This is going to be hard to watch for Husker fans, and it's going to be hard to watch these players out there, man. It was not good. Hey, if you're a Nebraska fan, uh, Trey Palmer had 10 receptions for 92 yards and a touchdown. So um, you got that. But I gave you this one too, everybody. I gave you this one. I told you Oklahoma by infinity. And uh, what was the final score of that game? I think it was Oklahoma infinity and Nebraska 14. Yeah, a 49 to 14 victory. And and I, I said, Scott Frost is gone. So you can kiss that curse of the one possession loss goodbye and start. You're going to start to see some teams rack it up on Nebraska. (laughs) Just absolutely horrible performance by a horrible team. And we'll get into our tears here in a little bit, but I'll let Corey take this one. Hi, my name is Corey and I, 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 I made a big mistake, a, a big, big mistake. I, I, I thought that, that Nebraska would cover and Nebraska is not going to cover for the rest of the year. I don't care what the spread is. It's there. It's incapable. It's just an incompetent football team right now. And it's really sad because those fans just show up and, and they know now that they're going to see just an absolute bloodbath against their team. And that's really sad because I think we all know how that feels, whether we watched the Michigan Wolverines in the Rich Rod era or watched the lions on any given Sunday for all of eternity. Um, So that's really disappointing. But I want to bring up is, is urban Meyer going to come to Nebraska? That seems to be the rumor mill. And I saw a Nebraska fan. He had like a bring urban urban to, to Nebraska t-shirt on looking all sad and dejected. Are they going to sell their souls? So I, I saw the tweet about the rumor that Nebraska reached out to him, but then literally today we're recording this on Tuesday. Today, uh, Bruce Feldman, I believe. Yeah, Bruce Feldman came out and said that there was no contact between Nebraska and uh, Urban Meyer. And that actually their top three guys that they're looking at are Lance Leopold, who's the head coach at Kansas, Matt Campbell, who is at Iowa State, and then Bill O'Brien, who's the OC at Alabama. So those seem to be the three guys on their list. Uh, And I know the fans want Urban Meyer, but I don't think that's going to happen. The OC job at Alabama is a better job than the Nebraska head coaching job. You aren't going to convince me otherwise. Nebraska has been dog water for two decades. And the head coaching job at Kansas, currently a way better job than Nebraska. Kansas is going more, Kansas is going, going more places than Nebraska right now. And they've got a heck of a football team. They're good. How far have we fallen? to where Kansas is 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 a better you're, you're position SEC, than any other football You're program. an SEC team? You're an SEC team? You have a pipeline in Kansas? You can recruit kids from down south? They're not you a, can, not you get to stay down there? They're Big 12. Or Big 12, Big I'm 12. sorry. You're a Big 12 uh, that that's what I meant to say. You're a big you're a Big 12 team. You have no competition. You I I mean what stop 
Kansas is the better job. Kansas Ooh. is a basketball school. Nebraska's still a bigger brand. They're still going to be willing to invest more in football ne- than Nebraska, Kansas. Nebraska, yes, and and you could get paid way more. That that's that's the argument. Yeah. And they they and in all seriousness, Nebraska has to do something to turn this around. Scott Frost was in unprecedented failure i mean they he was supposed to be the savior of that program they have to write this ship in fast maryland took care of business against smu it wasn't exactly pretty but they got the job done 34 to 27 talia had 214 yards and two touchdowns i think this roman hemby guy at maryland he seems like an absolute weapon 16 carries 151 yards and one touchdown if you read those numbers you would think that this was far and away a Maryland win. Uh, the game was close because they had 15 penalties called on them. 15 for 141 yards. Through through the first three weeks, this is the Maryland penalty total. Eight <laughs> penalties in week one, eight in week two, 15 in week three against SMU. Uh, they also allowed 520 yards of offense. So I want to love Maryland and believe they're going to sneak up on some teams. But if you play that sloppy and you give up that many yards on offense, I don't know how many times you're going to be able to come through as an underdog. I I love how your reasoning for taking Maryland against the spread last week was because they'll definitely clean up some of these penalties. <laughs> 15, but they still covered. They still covered. And I, I, I mean, I mean, Tua had, Tua had a, a good, or I'm sorry, Tulea. Had a good game, not a great game. 17 of 23, 214 with two touchdowns. Uh, I, I mean, he he ran the ball 13 times and only got 51 yards. So it, it was a tough, gritty game against SMU. But, man, Maryland's defense is just absolutely brutal. Uh, I mean, it is hard to watch them when they are on defense. If you watched the game, SMU shot themselves in the foot multiple different times on offense and Maryland escaped this one. You're headed uh, into a game against Michigan next week road game in the big 10. There's going to be over a hundred thousand fans there. I don't look for these penalties to slow down at all. So you got to get your act together fast if you're Maryland, but big win against SMU. It, it, It was still a big win for them. And they're three and zero. Absolute. I I can't believe I'm looking at this stat. I'm just, you know, hang on the penalties right here. Fifteen for 141. That's yeah. That's almost that's almost as many passing yards as they had in that game in penalties. Like you just you almost like cross those things out. It so I I think too it really helps. It's a seven point win, right? Uh, they won the turnover battle. They had uh. They won the turnover battle three to two. So in a game where you need to, uh, (laughs) where you need to have everything tightened up, you come out on top and capitalize on some turnovers. That's how you win a game like that in a, in a gritty, gritty win. Um, So I agree with Ethan. I don't think the penalties are going to stop. And if they're horrible on defense, that is, that is not how you want to open up your uh, big 10 season at Michigan. Not the best way. Not at all. Not at all. Going from one 3-0 team to another one, one that I didn't expect to be 3-0, Rutgers. Rutgers is undefeated, gentlemen. 
And Shiano this weekend became the winningest coach in Rutgers history. Congrats to him. They beat Temple 16 to 14 in another ugly one. Uh, Rutgers scored 16 points, did not have an offensive touchdown. They had a 43-yard pick six, and that was their only TD. The rest was through field goals. Uh, they only had 201 yards of offense and 59 through the air. It was a yikes fest, but they figured out how to come out of this with a win. And for Rutgers to be 3-0, they've got to be ecstatic. I mean, good on them to get the win. They did not cover, which another one I gave you. You're welcome. Um, but, I, I mean, the penalties in this game were absolutely horrible. I, I, I mean, you had 52 passing yards. Evan Simmons, <clears throat> Evan Simmons had 52 passing yards in this game against Temple. I, this is a 3-0 and team that feels a lot more like a 1-2 and team. <laughs> but, um, you know, their, their non-conference was pretty light. And, I mean, they looked real bad against a not-great Temple team. So, I'm not impressed with this one. Rutgers, you gotta you gotta get it together real quick offensively because that was and it it's coming after a week where they absolutely blew it up on offense, but like Corey said, Temple's not Wagner and actually showed up and played some defense. A, a an ugly win, but a win nonetheless for Rutgers. And I guess if you're Rutgers, you you take them however you can get them. I don't have much to say other than the fact that 59 passing yards gives me serious John O'Corn flashbacks, and I don't really like to think about that. So I want to talk about Yikes. something else. Rutgers is 3-0. Do they get bull eligible? Because this is their remaining schedule, and I want to talk about Rutgers in the future, not necessarily right now, but they play Iowa at home. Then they go to Ohio State. Then they play Nebraska at home. Then Indiana at home. They go to Minnesota. Michigan is a home game for them. They go on the road to Michigan State, Penn State at home, and then they go to Maryland. Yay or nay? I, for... see, two, I see two more wins. I see two more wins there, and I see them getting to five. That's max. Max. <laughs> I Maybe they can squeak out one against Iowa, but like Nebraska and Indiana at home are really the only games I feel comfortable about for them. And that's great. I, I, I feel like – I feel like – at. At most, they will win one more game. That's sad. Yep. Rutgers. It is sad. Ugh. It's sad, but right now they're happy. Uh, let's go to another fan base that is even more happy, probably. Minnesota, 49, Colorado, 7. Uh, Minnesota has taken care of business. Now, granted, if you go look at the three teams they've played so far, none of them have a win yet in their season. So you can, you can argue about their soft schedule, but like we said with Michigan and like we'll say with Ohio state, they are taking care of business, 500 yards of offense. Tanner Morgan was efficient and he only turned the ball over once. He had three touchdowns and Mo Ibrahim, 202 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Uh, a, a definite big loss for them though, in this game, their leading receiver Chris Ottman Bell season ending leg injury, which is absolutely huge for this team. I mean, they looked so balanced on offense and to lose him is so big. When you go down just the wide receiver depth chart, 
he had 11 catches on the season. The next closest wide receiver had six so far. So they're losing a lot in him, but they have a really good tight end too. Um, we'll see if they can bounce back and produce enough through the air. But <clears throat> they had a great game, a great three games, and now they open up the Big Ten schedule with Michigan State. That should be awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, Tanner Morgan has been really efficient so far this year. I mean, he, he went 11 of 16 for 157 and three touchdowns in this game. He did throw a pick, um, but they didn't really need him. I mean, the story of the game was Mo Ibrahim, 23 rushes for 202 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, the man is a machine and they just kept feeding him the rock. Uh, I don't see that stopping against MSU. I think that's probably going to be the game plan. And the only problem is, is Michigan State's strong suit is their D-line. So they're going to have to find a way to attack the secondary uh, somehow with their number one wide receiver being out. So very interesting matchup coming up for them this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that game too. Uh, and I guess I'm looking too much into the future, but Minnesota opening as a three-point favorite uh, on the road at MSU. I mean, I don't necessarily know how I feel about that, but given of what we've talked about, Ibrahim has been as good as advertised, uh, and he's one of uh, two running backs in, in D1 that have scored seven touchdowns, and that the other is Blake Corum. So we've seen this all the time. You can win football games if you can run the ball efficiently, um, and Minnesota might just be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the Big Ten to do that. Um, so I agree with you guys. I think this Michigan State matchup, against Minnesota is going to be the game of the week. Um, but there's really not much else to say about Minnesota, given the fact that uh, their their non-conference schedule is just about as soft as Michigan's. Um, but did it ever occur to you guys that those teams that played Minnesota don't have a win because they had to play Minnesota? Did you ever think about that? Hmm? You got a point. You got a point. What? Indiana. What? <laughs> what? what? You are just bringing in the genius in, into the three of us. Without you, our collective IQ drops significantly. I'm here for you guys. Indiana, Indiana is the exact opposite of Purdue. They put up the ugliest numbers and the ugliest performances, and then at the end of the game, they just figure out a way to win. They beat West they have the most points. 33 to 30. Yes, exactly. They have the most points at the end. They, they understand the assignment. They beat Western Kentucky 33-30. to Basilek had a good game, 364 through the air, two touchdowns, no picks, which is huge for him. This is their third straight second-half comeback for a win. Uh, Western Kentucky, they missed a 44-yard field goal as time expired to win it, and then they got into overtime, and Indiana blocked their field goal attempt, attempt to then get the ball back and <clears throat> kick their own game-winning field goal. Which after losing yardage, after losing yardage because of horrible yes. play calling, I mean yes. they have they just they they have they have a horseshoe up their rectum. This team has gotten so lucky. <laughs> I told I told you guys to take whatever money you were betting on this game and put half of it on uh on the money line for Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky with multiple chances to win this game, that field goal that was just an absolute shank job. I mean, 
Indiana just has has a horseshoe up their butt. I I don't know any other way to describe it. So lucky to get out of here with a win. But a win is a win is a win. And they did it, I guess. Um, (laughs) There's not really much else to say. It it really is. like It's one of those games where if you're a fan of, of a team that wins in this fashion, you're like, yeah, but we won. And, I mean, everybody's like, okay, yeah, it's like the same thing with Rutgers, right? Except Indiana is better than Rutgers in my eyes. It just, hi, hi, hi. It, it was, uh, I mean, the the crazy thing about this game is, how do you say his last name? Connor Bazalek. Yeah, Bazalek, sorry. 33 of 55 with 364 yards and two touchdowns, zero interceptions. He played really, really well, and they asked him to sling the football. So he played well. I just, great job, Indiana. (laughs) Wasn't that kind of the early story with uh, Michael Penix Jr., though, when he was at Indiana? He would show signs of being an absolute electric factory, and then he'd show signs of being a complete milk dud. Because this is what happened in the Illinois game. He did not look very good there, but this is this game against Western Kentucky was probably the big reason of why they were able to pull out the dub. So are we just seeing the same Indiana product repeating over and over again and just like winning their non-conference slate, then you get into the Big Ten, and then they're revealed to be who exactly who we thought they were? I don't really know. But I think it's still very interesting that Indiana being on the east side of the Big Ten division, the Big Ten East is 20-1 and one to start the season. This that is insane. Look look over at the West, and that's like I, I don't even know how to describe that mess. But hey, you know what? We're gonna get the matchup of the century between Indiana and Rutgers to see who is the best team <laughs> at the bottom of the Big Ten East. <laughs> hey, you love. Hey, man. listen, listen. Michael Penix Jr. is looking a okay where he's at now. Yes, he is. Also, goodness hold, gracious. One more comment. Uh, Indiana's leading rusher is uh, Sean Shivers, and their leading receiver is Cam Camper. Fun names in the Big Ten. I just wanted to point that out. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. RG, RG3 would have a field day with them. Uh, Iowa. Iowa, they covered somehow when the spread was 23, I believe, and Iowa scored 27 points in one game of football. I could not believe what I was seeing. I think this was the most shocking result of the weekend. Caleb Johnson, their freshman running back, had 103 yards on only seven carries. His two touch, whose two touchdowns, excuse me, were a 40 yarder and a 55 yarder. Petrus was fine, 14 for 26, 175 and a touchdown. Um, which I guess Nevada was ranked 95th in total defense coming into this game. So I guess we should have seen some type of life from Iowa. You're just happy they did show some type of life if you're a Hawkeye fan. They're also, they also got three starters back, a couple of wide receivers and a running back. So maybe this was what they needed. Maybe they were just missing some guys and they needed a few players to get over the hump. Can their offense be this good from here on out? Um, the answer to that question is no. They were playing Nevada. <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean, the, the, the biggest takeaway is, honestly, Iowa's defense. Like, 
how bad do you have to feel for Iowa's defense? They probably have a top five unit in all of college football. And you just know that this team is going absolutely nowhere because their offense is non-existent. And sure, I mean, they had a decent game, but I mean, 14 of 26 for 175 yards and one touchdown for Spencer Petras against a Nevada team. He's a bad quarterback. He's bad. I'm sorry. Nevada's secondary is terrible. They are absolutely horrible. And that, uh, that can't be a stat line. I'm so sorry. It just can't be. I have zero faith in this Iowa team moving forward. I know they got the win. Congrats. But they also lost to an FCS, or almost lost to an FCS school. Isn't Petrus uh, a fifth-year senior? Because how can he be? How can citizen? he be this bad? Uh, well, yes, senior citizen. Yes, but he's pretty late in his career. I feel like he's been there forever, and he's regressed. That's incredibly rare, <laughs> uh, especially in this day and age, to see a quarterback play that bad. Um, this game was had like t- like three like weather delays. It ended like. 3 a.m. local time, something crazy like that. And I don't know if you guys know who this is. Lucy Roden, she's like a sports personality, but she went to Iowa, so she see she all that stuff comes up in Big Ten stuff. And she like tweeted out that God saw Iowa score a touchdown and was and said no, no more of this, and then brought the reins. And so we had to like wait. <laughs> and that's just kind of what it felt like. This game eventually got going, and apparently they just let anybody in afterwards like some guy with his dog was in the stadium um and there was probably less than 500 people that were there to see iowa's offense in action baby um but iowa's offense is terrible i don't know how they're going to score a touchdown at all in the big 10 um because you are not going to see a defense as bad as nevada their their defense iowa's iowa's defense might well no i won't say that but it's going to be close (laughs) <laughs> Ethan almost came in with a hot take, and then he he brought it back. He brought it back. Ohio State, 77, Toledo, 21. Just an absolutely electric performance by Ohio State. Uh, and their backups. Their backups came in and kept the scoring going. Stroud was brilliant. 267, five touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, Henderson was actually rested for most of the game. He scored a touchdown on their first drive, and then he came out. Sounds like it was just precautionary and for rest, so he should be back, although there's no official word on that. Hopefully he is, though. But, I mean, typical Ohio State, you just reload. They had a freshman come in, uh, Dalen Hayden, I think is how you pronounce his name. So sorry if I butchered that. 108 yards and one touchdown, and then they still have Mayan Williams, 10 carries and 77 yards. Uh Ohio State just has so much talent, and they've played better every single game of the season thus far, and that's exactly what you want to see from a team that is this talented and has national championship expectations. Yeah, I mean, looking at C.J. Stroud's stat line, 22 of 27 for 367 and five touchdowns, it's pretty freaking insane. Um, I mean, it's Toledo, Toledo bad, you know, and they – they put up a huge number, um, kind of what you expect, you know, when you're playing a team like this. And 
for for their second stringers to come in and do what they were able to do is pretty insane. So, I mean, they're they're a top tier team, and this is what you expect from a top. Just like I think Michigan is a, a a top five team in the country. I think Ohio State's probably a top three team in the country. So, um, you know, you've got Georgia, Alabama, and them. I think that's that's your one, two, three, and they're they're starting to look like it. That's for sure. Just a couple of thoughts, because. Um, and just looking at how the season has progressed, uh, this was Ohio State's largest margin of victory up to this point. Um, and I think as well as for Michigan this past year and both these teams that they played, not very good. Um, do you think there's something to be said, like as the offense gets going and as the teams get more comfortable, like the third game of the season is when teams are the most comfortable or does it just not matter? And it just depends on the opponent schemes or, or whatnot. Do you think like some things like for Ohio State started to click just because they were playing all together? now or do you think it's just does i'm looking too much into it well they had a really tough opponent week one like notre dame's got a good defense they're not a sure. great football team but they got a good defense so i think that plays into it too but i think you're seeing it from a lot of these teams like wisconsin had a hiccup and then they played their best game this week you could argue michigan played their game this week you could argue that about minnesota so i think it just depends on the opponents though too because like at michigan state they obviously didn't play their best game this week so I, it's give or take, but there's something to be said for being in a rhythm at this point in the season. Yeah. And then number two, uh, Travion Henderson hasn't been otherworldly. Is that a concern or is that just they're shielding him for the rest of the season? Because he his stat line wasn't that impressive, but they took the starters out pretty early. I think they're just I think they're just trying to shield him. I, I think it's just to get him to the next game type of thing, keep him healthy. It's honestly kind of what I want to see more of Michigan doing with Blake Corum. Um, I, I, and, and they have done a good job of it. I'm not saying that Blake Corum's out there running, you know, 20 plus times sure. a game, but. And Travion, um, Travion was actually in a boot in the yeah, first quarter when he was. came out of okay. the game. So they said it was super minor. And so I'm assuming he's fine. I think you're right. It's probably just trying to get him rest, but. They got so much talent on that team and in that backfield. I don't think it matters that much. You're right. Ohio State's Ohio State. Just some thoughts to chew on. Wisconsin beats up on New Mexico State 66-7. to if, if I had known coming in that New Mexico State was the second worst offense in the nation only to Iowa, I probably would have picked differently in the spread uh, because Wisconsin's defense is legit and they showed out. They had 595 yards of offense which is not something you're used to seeing from Wisconsin. Mertz, that was his third straight 200-yard passing game, which has never happened for him. So he seems to be in a rhythm. He had three touchdowns and one pick. Braylon Allen, 86 yards, so he didn't hit the 100 mark, but, oh, three touchdowns. So he's still doing Braylon Allen stuff. Everybody ate for Wisconsin. Everybody scored. Everyone got in on the action. So Easy win for them. Just to add on to the stat line that you were just talking about for Mertz, he threw for 251 yards on 12 completions. So, I mean, very, Insane. very efficient for Mertz in this game. And exactly what I said was going to happen in this game ended up happening. I, I mean, this was Wisconsin getting right and putting up points. And they did it consistently, and they did it for the whole game. Their quarter-by-quarter breakdown for points was 7, 28, 21, and 10. 
for a combined total of 66. I mean, this is what I expected to see from Wisconsin in this game. It's a get-right game for them. And coming off a, a loss that was just unacceptable, they they righted the ship very quickly, heading into Big Ten play. Expect them to still be a major contender in the West, 100%, if not the favorite at this point. I think we're all in agreement last week, and I think we'll all be in agreement this week. This is what Wisconsin does. They drop a game they maybe shouldn't, and then they go off and win the games that they should. This was a game they absolutely should have won, and they looked very impressive doing it. Everything that I, I don't really have anything other to add than to what Ethan said. They'll be they'll be a contender. They'll be uh, you know competing until the end of the season. And Wisconsin is just cool, calm, and collected. And you know exactly what you're going to get from them. Consistency is key with this team. Last two games from week three, there was a statement win and there was a statement loss. Let's start off with the statement loss. Michigan State, 28, Washington, 39. This game was not as close as the score indicates. This was, I believe, 29 to 14, something along those lines, 32 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. It was not good for Michigan State. Uh, They were without Jaden Reed, so you could put part of it on that. But the biggest issue is that secondary and that defense. They got lit up. Michael Penix Jr., 397 through the air, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He did whatever he wanted. And Peyton Thorne really didn't have a bad game either for how much he was forced to throw the ball. 323 through the air, three touchdowns. He did have an interception that he forced, but dude was running for his life too. It was a bad day for the Michigan State offensive line. This is not the kind of performance you were expecting from this team. What do you think about Michigan State going forward, seeing what you saw on Saturday? I mean, for me, it was the lack of a run game, and it it almost brought you back to the previous regime in Michigan State with D'Antonio when they just couldn't run the ball, and they just kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. I mean, Jalen Berger had 13 rushes for 27 yards. And, I mean, Peyton Thorne was their second best runner. He ran the ball 10 times for 12 yards. It just, the run game was non-existent, and they just kept trying to get it going. I mean, obviously, late in the game, they were slinging it like crazy. Peyton Thorne, like you said, running for his life. This game was dominated by Washington. And the lack of defensive prowess really showed for Michigan State in this game. They showed their hindquarters. And it was it was unfortunate because it was a good chance for the Big Ten to go out and have two statement wins in the same day against peop, uh, teams from different conferences, you know. And they could have tackled the SEC and the Pac-12 in in one day and unfortunately the Spartans just did not show up in this one and I I honestly thought they would win the game I thought they'd go out there and I thought they'd be ready to go but man oh man uh Tuck has taken this secondary under his wing and apparently he was coaching them this offseason well he didn't do a very good job because they are horrible I mean that's the 
that's the only thing I think you can take, not the only thing, but a big thing that you can take away from this game. This was the thing that plagued Michigan State last season. And all of the noise that happened with their recruiting prowess, the, even in their transfer portal, they did nothing to address this gaping hole in their defense. And what what result do you expect if you had one of the worst pass defenses and you don't do anything to address it in the offseason? It's not going to change. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be exactly the same, or it might even be worse. And the biggest difference was last year, Michigan State was embarrassed by Ohio State due to their lack of secondary play. And this year, it happened against Washington. Now, if I were Michigan State, I'd rather get embarrassed by Ohio State than Washington, and you got embarrassed by both. And a gaping hole happening early in the season. Every team should watch this film, game plan, attack, attack, attack in the air, and until Michigan State shows it, they're not going to be able to stop you. Couldn't have said it better myself. Penn State with an absolute bonkers, like juiced up win in SEC country on the road at Auburn. I don't know how good Auburn is, and I do not care. 42 to 12, Penn State crushed Auburn, absolutely dominated this game. And Penn State has what we've been waiting for them to have, what their fans have been waiting for them to have for years offensive and defensive line play that is borderline elite on the ground they had 245 rushing yards nick singleton this freshman is an absolute stud he is going to be a star for the next two years after this because he will be going to the draft as a junior 10 carries 124 yards two touchdowns and just icing on the cake the other freshman katron allen Nine carries, 52 yards, two touchdowns of his own. I mean, the freshman running backs ate Auburn up. Clifford did what he needed to do. He didn't throw for a touchdown. He didn't turn the ball over. He had one rushing touchdown that I'm pretty sure was a QB sneak. Under 200 yards passing, but when they can run the ball like that and allow Clifford to be more of a game manager instead of a playmaker, I think that's where he thrives. I think that's where Penn State thrives. Their defense was absolutely elite. Six sacks in the game. I mean, they dominated in every phase, every level. This Penn State team looks much better than I expected them to be, and they seem to have cemented themselves as the third best in the Big Ten East. I mentioned it going into the game last week, and and, and I was very on the fence about this pick, but I did end up going with Penn State. And I said, you know, that they have a chance to – make a statement and put themselves in the race in the big 10 East. And that's what they did here. I I mean, they went out and absolutely dominated this game. And like you said, Alex, I don't really care how good Auburn is. Um, When you go on the road into sec country and win a game like this, I I mean, absolutely dominated on both sides of the football and you have to have good line play. And their defense, just like I said last week, running downhill at Auburn. And that's exactly what they were doing. I, 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 I made the statement. I said they, need, they, they will be running downhill at Auburn late in this game. Well, it was all game. It was the entire game. What an unbelievable performance by Penn State. And they are going to be a team 
when they're on your when they're on your schedule, you better be ready and you better get up for that game because you've got a run game beast to have to try and stop in Nick Singleton because that kid is the truth. I mean, absolutely shocking performance from Penn State. We were all nervous about this game, and they go into Auburn uh, and they demoralize them. I mean, frankly, which is is crazy to say and crazy to think. No passing touchdowns whatsoever, all of them on the ground, which is crazy to think about. Like, how on earth are you going to go into a place like Auburn? And if you were to tell me that you would have no passing touchdowns in this game, I would say then they lost for sure. But the fact of the matter is they got in the red zone. They were able to put it away. That's got to count from something. And the yardage in this game was relatively even as well. Penn State had 477 total yards of offense to Auburn's 415. This game on paper should have looked closer, but Penn State was just able to find a way to get into the end zone and make those big plays. Another thing, too, Sean Clifford took a massive hit early in the first quarter. That was nasty. It looked like he died. Brushed it off. Brushed (laughs) it off. He's like, okay, we lost the ball. Not going to lose this game. Goes back out there. And I just want to get this right. I'm looking back at it. Completes 14 of 19 passes on the road. Incredible. Incredible performance. Awesome to see from Penn State. And unfortunately, they're going to be a problem in the Big Ten East. So That defense forced four turnovers, too. And I didn't know this, but they said it in the, in the cast. Uh, through the first two weeks, they were tied or they led the country or tied for the lead in pass breakups. So that defense seems to be top to bottom, legit. They have a running game, and they have a quarterback who can manage the game for them and not turn it over. That's a team that's built for success, not just in the Big Ten, but wherever they play. So kudos to Penn State. That's the week three games. Now we're going to get into our first quarter grades for each of these teams, from valedictorians all the way down to failing grades. So I think what we should do, I'm going to just go through the grades. I'm going to go valedictorian, A, B, et cetera. And I want you guys to tell me which teams fall into that category for you. Does that work, Does that work for you too? We good with that? All right. So I guess I can start. We'll do valedictorian. So teams that are passing with flying colors. For me, these are teams that are meeting or exceeding. Actually, no, just vastly exceeding expectations right now at this point of the season. I've got three. I've got Ohio State, I've got Michigan, I've got Penn State. I think each, I think all three of those teams have answered questions from the offseason or from last year in a resounding way, and they look primed to win a lot of football games and be competitive at an elite level for the rest of the season. So Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State for me, valedictorians, no question. I have, <laughs> this isn't going to be uh, very you know, competitive to what you said or, or hot take-ish, but I have the same three teams. I think those three teams, and I, I'm, I'm, it's just because of the competition that Minnesota has played that I'm not putting them in there uh, as well, even though I'm very close to having them in there. But uh, Michigan, you got a resounding answer to your quarterback question. J.J. Uh, McCarthy has come out and absolutely exploded onto the scene. Um, Ohio State, it was, what can you do defensively? Their defense has been absolutely impeccable 
so far this season. And obviously the offense showed up in a huge way this past week. Penn State, I mean, you go on the road, you absolutely crush uh, an SEC opponent and and look great doing it. I, you got to throw them in there as well. I'm going to get a little nitpicky just because there can only be one valedictorian in any school or just about. I, I think you have to give that to Ohio State solely because they've taken care of business and they're the only team in the Big Ten right now that has that top ten win. Albeit it was against Is it, so? it was against Is it Notre so? Dame, but it will go down as a top ten win. It was a gutsy win and they were able to pull it off in a gutsy fashion. So I think the I think the Notre Dame game for Ohio State is the one black mark on their season so far. I would agree. Honestly, honestly, struggle. Yeah, it, and the way they struggled in that game offensively, they were so horrible. Sure. Um, but I, if I had to give it to only one team thus far, it would it would be Ohio State. If I only could put one team in there, it would be them. Regardless of how Notre Dame looks now for the rest of the season, this will it's not going to count against them. They beat Notre Dame when they were a top ten team in the AP poll. So it's going to count as a top 10 win for this team for the rest of the season. That's just how it works. I know it's frustrating, but that's what I'm basing it off of. They've done, they've taken care of business. They've looked impressive and get against lesser opponents besides Notre Dame, but that was technically a top 10 win for, and then I guess we'll go through the other grades, but Michigan, Penn state and Minnesota all receive A's from me. It's like, you break it down in school, Michigan has a four-point. Ohio State has the 4.5 or the five-point because they took an AP class and they aced it or something like that. So I won't get too much into that. I'll let you continue, Alex. Yeah, I'll get into my A grades, and we have one in common. I have Minnesota getting an A for me. Two other teams that you might be surprised at that I have getting A's, Rutgers and Maryland. So Minnesota, I think they get an A because – they're looking what like a healthy Minnesota team, what we were promised a healthy Minnesota team would look like. Mo Ibrahim is the shiznit. He is awesome. He's one of the best backs in the country, and they do not apologize for their game plan every week. They are going to run the ball down their throat. And Tanner Morgan is not lighting the world on fire, but he's got his old OC back from that tremendous season they had a couple years ago, and they're doing what they need to do, and they're beating up on bad teams. Now, Rutgers and Maryland, they're getting A's mostly because of preseason expectations. I mean, who thought Rutgers would have three wins on the whole year, let alone in the first three games? No, I don't think they're going to win many more. But the fact that they're 3-0 and gets them an A at this point in the season. And Maryland, those penalties are keeping them from being a valedictorian. I was borderline putting them in the B grades, but they're 3-0. and Their offense is as advertised. But because that discipline and that defense is not where it needs to be, they fall in the A category. I think for all of the reasons you just said, the only team that belongs in this category is Minnesota. The, it, I, if I'm putting those three teams in in the ST or S tier or val, valedictorian, and I, I I I have to only put Minnesota here. Um, it, we'll discuss where I have Rutgers and Maryland later on, but. Uh, Minnesota is my only A-tier team that I have as of right now. And they were close to being in the top tier. I'll stick with my synopsis of Michigan, Penn State, and Minnesota. Um, 
being a teams because look at their class load look at the look at the teams that they've played they've taken care of business and for the most part have looked pretty impressive doing it Penn State might have looked the most impressive based off of their collection of schedule and then how they beat Auburn on the road. Um, But the fact of the matter is they looked really good in these wins. They answered a lot of questions um, with these. Can Penn State dominate the defensive side of the ball on the defensive line? Does Michigan have an answer at quarterback? And is Minnesota ready to take that next step to compete in the Big Ten West or have that put up or shut up quite year? And thus far, they've answered all of those questions pretty clearly. Four-point students for these three schools. So my B-grade teams are Illinois and Indiana. And remember, I'm purely basing this off of preseason expectations. Who would have thought Indiana would be 3-0 and at this point in the season? It's been the ugliest 3-0 I've ever seen. Uglier than Rutgers. But they got there. And that's a huge plus for them from last year. Illinois, I'm putting them at a B because... While they probably should be 3-0, and they're 2-1, and and you can see the talent. Like Chase Brown is legit. Isaiah Williams is a good receiver. So the fact that you've got some flashes of talent, like really premier talent from this team, I think they have to be at a B, and their fans have to be super happy. I, I have Wisconsin in the B tier, and I know they took a horrible loss, but... All of their goals are still in front of them. So if, if you have if you have aspirations as a Wisconsin fan, all of those are still in front of you. And I think they righted the ship after one week. Look for them to be ultra competitive. And I also have Maryland in the B tier as well. I think Maryland offensively is everything that they thought we were gonna that we thought they were gonna be. But man, defensively, they are a train wreck. And you know what? I'm only going to put Wisconsin in the B tier. I'm only putting Wisconsin here. And and they barely deserve to be in it. And you could argue that they don't deserve to be in it. But I'm only putting Wisconsin in B tier. I'm going to put Wisconsin in the B tier as well, solely because the, Wisconsin's the student that should be an A student, but it's like, hey, you messed up here. Like, just get back out there and, and do what we know what you need to do. And this week showed that, okay, yeah, Wisconsin is going to write the ship. They get a B. I'm going to put Indiana and Rutgers in the B tier, but they're the students that's like, they're cheating, but we can't prove it right now. We don't know how you got here, but somehow, some way, we're going to find out that you're not all what you cracked up, what you're cracked up to be. Um, so, Indiana, Rutgers, B tier, and then Maryland will be in the B tier solely because they're kind of hovering in that same area. Offense is what we think it is, but that defense and their discipline uh, is going to, they're going to blow up, punch a kid in the face, and then it's going to be, they're going to get suspended for the second half of the year. <laughs> I love that analogy. Wisconsin is in the C range for me. Wisconsin and Michigan State both. The reason they are both there is because, one, they both came into the year with decently high expectations, but both of them at this point of the season have clear issues. Wisconsin, watching them against Washington State, I don't know if that offensive line is what we're used to seeing from a Wisconsin offensive line. I don't know that they're that elite level that they are used to being at. And then Michigan State, 
the holes are obvious. The entire defense and then the offensive line. You are not going to win a lot of big football games with those two holes on your team. So those two, because the expectations and the significant issues they need to fix quickly, they're getting C's from me. They're barely getting by. So my C-tier teams, (laughs) I got lots of them, so buckle in. I have Michigan State and C-tier. Uh, I think Michigan State is is kind of that team that is, after this last week, just barely passing. Horrible secondary. Really got some question marks that they need to get figured out. The offensive line looked horrible. Their running game looked horrible. Definitely some question marks that they have to really figure out. But I think they still can. So that's why I have them in C tier. I also have Illinois in C tier. Rutgers in C tier and I have well, I was gonna put Maryland in the other one but I'm gonna put Maryland in C tier as well I think I, I I'm I'm moving them into C tier I just think I, I think there's too much going on Rutgers first of all I, I want to drop down to D but <laughs> they haven't lost so I'm just finding it like impossible to do so oh i'm sorry and indiana is in here as well welcome to c tier indiana uh, uh, there is there's just there's a lot of middle middling teams right now in the big 10 and these teams are going to end up lower on this list that's why i have them at c now but fully expect a lot of these teams to drop ethan's I'm- that teacher that's just barely passing everybody, so he doesn't have to come into summer school and teach these, teach these hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes, like just here, take your C or your D and get out of my classroom. <laughs> this is so funny. I'm sorry, I can't control myself. Okay, I've got three. I got three teams in the C tier. Team number one, Purdue is. Definitely getting a seat. Purdue is the kid that doesn't understand the difference between there, there, and there. And like you knew that they didn't, and you keep telling them, hey, this is the difference. And they're like, okay. And they still can't figure it out because they're making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And it's preventing them from taking that next step. So they're just going to be in this meddling, middling, middle spot. And they'll surprise somebody. They'll beat a number two team in the country like they always do. And then they'll just be like, oh, you're a C student. Okay, that makes sense. Michigan's back to being back to being the spoiler makers, and that's not what they wanted to be. Correct. Michigan State is in a C tier solely because they have a clear deficiency in reading. And that means reading the offense of the opposing teams because their secondary is so bad. It hasn't changed. It's the same. And until they fix it, they are not going to be able to be competitive, especially in the big 10 East, because they're just going to, everybody's just going to throw against this team and they are going to make them stop them via the air. And they're not going to be able to do it. Illinois is a C for a different reason because it's the C's get degrees, right? You know what you're going to get with Illinois, and you're going to get some sort of surprises like their defense. They're going to have that hard hit, like they opened the Big Ten season right off the bat. But then they're going to be like, oh, okay, they are who we thought they were, and they're going to lose some some game like they did lose to Indiana because they just beat themselves. So very different C's 
in my C tier, but there you go. So let's close this out with our, our failing grades. I originally had these separated out as D and F. They're all failing my class. And I've got four. And for very easy reasons. High, high school's easy, guys, right? Like, you just put the smallest amount of effort in, and you're going to get by. So, Northwestern, you're failing because you can't hang on to the freaking ball. Stop turning it over. Nebraska, you're failing because you can't stop anybody. Swiss cheese on the field. Get your act together. Iowa, you're failing because you can't score on anybody. If you put Iowa and Nebraska together, you would equally have the best and worst football teams of all time. 100%. That is a great, that is, that is so true. Oh my gosh. Even though I don't think, I don't think Nebraska's offense is that good. Actually, I take that back. Uh, Yeah, maybe that's a little bit of a reach on their offense, but it's light years ahead of Iowa's and Purdue. You're failing because you don't know how to win a football game. You can, you can color in the lines all day. And then you somehow manage to spill your water on the on the sheet before you turn it in. I mean, it just always happens to you. So those four teams are getting F's from me. I've got failing grades for Northwestern, Nebraska, Iowa, Purdue, which I think was your same four. But listen, they've they've earned it. They've all earned it for all the reasons you just said. It's absolutely unbelievable what Purdue has managed to do their coaching their coaching gets the biggest f their coaching is absolutely horrendous especially in late game situations nebraska i mean scott frost is already fired so um the f writes itself if there was an f minus e tier i'd put them in there um and then northwestern is exactly who i thought they were going to be absolutely terrible uh so great take alex and um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, there's there's just no reason. Oh, Iowa! I, I mean, Iowa, you have a great defense, and it almost pushes you out of this tier. But your offense is literally that bad that you have to be an F tier. F tier, Iowa, Nebraska, and Northwestern. Iowa is the kid who is getting an A plus in weights class and gym and failing everything else. They have no creativity. They're failing art. They have no creativity. They have no semblance of uh, some sort of mathematics. You you do realize that if you score more points on offense than the other team, that you'll win games. So they, they can't figure that out. Horrible, big and strong, but they, they can't do anything with it. So you get enough. Um, Northwestern, I, I don't even have anything funny to say. They're just bad. <laughs> they're they're just they're just bad and nebraska is an f and i would say if scott frost was still their their quote-unquote tutor they would get just enough so close to just get to that c marking but then at the last second like just flub an answer or throw their water. They fumble it away. They fumble, they it, fumble away. it away. The dog yep. ate the homework. That's, you know, that's what happens. They're so close to turning it in. And then the dog eats the homework or they left their backpack at home or they gave the wrong sheet to the wrong teacher in the wrong class. They're on the other side. Of they're the, the kid. They're the kid that finished the project. It, you just said it. They, they were when Scott Frost was there, the kid that finished the project stayed up the whole night before, Oh, thank God I finally got this done. They show up to school. 
Project's nowhere to be found. It's still at home. And guess what you get? You get an F. You still get an F. FFF. Or I should say Northwestern is the kid uh, that realizes a project is due like at 11.59 the night before and wakes up their mom and says, Mom, I have to go get a poster board at CVS right now. And she refuses to go get it for him. And then he just has to he just has to take the F. Been there, done that. Well, those are the grades. Tell us if you agree with them or not. Hit us up on the gram or something. But right now, it's time to get into the picks. Week four. Well, first we'll talk about what happened in week three. Ethan dominated. If you would like to make money, if you enjoy making money, listen Hop to Hop aboard Ethan. the train, baby. Four. Hop aboard the train. He went eight and four last week in the picks. If you enjoy losing money, Corey went four and eight, and I went three and nine. If you want to lose money efficiently, listen to me. If you just want to lose money outright, listen to Alex. Exactly. I'm going to make you lose it so fast. It will not be slow. It will not be a slow death. So week four, we got lines for all but one of these games. First one, Thursday, Chattanooga at Illinois. I don't believe there's a line on this. So Illinois? Illinois, Illinois wins. Um, I don't know if they cover whatever the number is going to be, but Illinois wins the game. Yep, TBD until we get the line, but Illinois will definitely win this game. If they if they don't, they fall into F tier and they're suspended from school. Yeah, they get expelled like Nebraska. <laughs> Maryland at Michigan. Michigan minus 16 and a half right now. I think those penalties in that defense are going to catch up to Maryland. Michigan is going to cover this game. I honestly was surprised that this number was not bigger. Um, I I think Michigan covers. Um, I I, I kind of think that Vegas might be trying to tell you something. But when you don't have a defense and you're on the road in an in-conference game, bad. All bad things. So I, I expect Michigan to cover pretty hefty here. Give me Michigan. I know you're not supposed to bet with your feelings because that's just you got to go bet with science and whatnot. But just looking at that spread, Michigan winning by 17 points seems like a very reasonable goal for this game. And I think they can easily do that given everything that we've talked about with this Maryland team. Michigan covers because Maryland is undisciplined. Central Michigan fire up chips at Penn State. Penn State minus 28 in this game. It's a big spread, but Penn State proved a lot to me last week against Auburn. I think they're a lead on both sides of the ball and in the trenches. Give me Penn State to cover minus 28. Yeah, traveling to Happy Valley is never a place you want to go, especially when you're a bad football team. Sorry, Chips, you're a bad football team. (sighs) 28 is a big number, but I just think, you know what? Coming off a big emotional win in SEC country, and they Uh-oh. know that they can coast in this game. Uh-oh. I think the smart money here is actually on the chips. Late cover. They they cover late in this game. Backdoor style. And I think the chips actually, I think the chips end up covering. Give me the chips. I was going to say Penn State covers because they just dominate max schools. Um, but looking back the past few games... Central Michigan put up 44 points against Oklahoma State. It's a Big 12 school. They don't play defense, but still, that's something to note. And then they've put up 24 and 41. I think they, I think their offense is competent. 
Backdoor cover, baby. Backdoor cover. And then I I went against Ethan too many times last week, so I'm just gonna, I'm going to tail Ethan in this pick. No, <laughs> no, I'm picking last from now on. <laughs> just this one. Minnesota travels to Michigan State. Super pumped to watch this game. Minnesota minus three right now. This was my toughest pick by far. What put me over the edge? I think Minnesota has something they're great at, which is running the ball. I don't know if Michigan State is great at anything. So I'm going to take Minnesota to cover here on the road at MSU minus three. This is such a tough game. I would not touch this with a 10-foot pole because I don't know what Minnesota is yet, even though I do think they are trending towards being a very good team and a contender in the West. This is the game where they have to prove it. Just like last week when we were talking about Rutgers, no, I'm not trying to compare either of these teams to Rutgers. You have to prove it to me, Minnesota. You're going on the road against a team that just got snake-bitten in Michigan State. Give me Michigan State here. I'm going to take those points if you're going to give them to me. Give me Michigan State to cover this game. I've been burned by this thought process before, um, but Michigan State as a home dog, this is the type of game that Michigan would be like, oh, we're Michigan State would be, oh, we're being disrespected. We're not getting enough credit, even though you just kind of got shellacked on the road. I think being at home, taking that beating makes a difference the extra motivation outside of the definite culture that Michigan state has of being able to channel that disrespect and putting that on the performance on the field. I think Michigan state bounces back. I think they cover, but I truthfully, I think they win this game. I could be completely wrong again, because I was wrong last week. I bet on Michigan state to win and I was horribly wrong. Um, But do I dare do it again? I think I will. Indiana at Cincinnati, Cincinnati minus 16 and a half. Indiana keeps trying to lose football games by a lot, and now they're going on the road to a team that is legit. I think Cincinnati is going to cover this, and Indiana's they're going to pull off the mask, and we're going to see the real football team that they really are. Yeah, you're, you, you nailed it on the head there, and when you're an undisciplined team, Cincinnati is the definition of a disciplined team. That's how they made the playoff last year. Um, they don't make mistakes. They don't shoot themselves in the foot. Cincinnati's going to be running up the score at the end of this game on Indiana. Look for Indiana to lose by a fat number here. Possibly 28. Uh, give me Cincinnati to cover the number. Completely in agreement with you, fellas. I, I was watching that Western Kentucky game, and after they took the lead, I'm like, there's no way Indiana's going to win. They're playing on house money right now, and you're just waiting waiting for the shoe to drop. It's going to drop because Cincinnati's pretty good. Um, this is in Cincinnati, it correct? Is. It's on the road, yeah. too. And Indiana yeah. hasn't even looked good at home. So how do you expect them to go on the road in a in a pretty, I don't want to say hostile, but a definitely like good atmosphere for the Cincinnati Bearcats fans? Um, Indiana has no chance. Iowa minus 7.5 going on the road to Rutgers. Rutgers didn't score an offensive touchdown against Temple. I can promise you Iowa's defense is way better than Temple's. So I think based on that alone and Iowa getting some players back last week, I'm going to take Iowa to cover this game. Yeah, Rutgers really showed themselves to me last week. Uh, This is not me thinking Iowa is good, but this is a game where I honestly think Iowa could score multiple defensive and special teams touchdowns. 
I think they I, I think they cover pretty easily here, and this might be a game where Rutgers doesn't. They might shut out opponents in back to back weeks. Rutgers might not score. This. Oh, by the way, close your eyes and take the under. This is uh, the Sickos Committee game of the week, um, as brought to you by the Sickos Committee uh, Twitter account. Um, and the uh, pump-up poster is a picture of the punters in this game. Um, I am saying Iowa does not cover solely because I think this game will be 3-0. to zero. <laughs> So with a 7.5-point spread. And I could very well see Iowa just scoring one touchdown, and that would be enough. Like, I don't think we can understate how bad this Iowa offense is, and we is Rutgers is a complete question mark. So I'm. You could tell me the over under in this game was in the twenties. I would still say close your eyes. Shh, 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 shh. Close your eyes. Close them. Both of you guys, close your eyes. This is They're a practice. Closed. They're closed. Yep. What are you doing? You're taking the what? Under. Under. The under. That's right. I, I, but seven and a half, I, I don't think Iowa's capable of doing that. And on the road, too, maybe that's a question mark. I don't know. But three to zero, Iowa. Wisconsin at Ohio State. This game is at night. Ohio State is doing a blackout in this game. It is going to be hostile. Ohio State has said multiple times this season they want to prove to people that they're a physical football team. No better team to do that against than Wisconsin. Ohio State covers minus 18 i i just think to kick off to kick off the season as an 18 point favorite against a team that has typically given you fits in the past in wisconsin oh man i i i think wisconsin can get up enough for this game and i i know it's so hard to look at all the details surrounding this game i guarantee you a large portion of the bets are going to be on Ohio State. And Vegas keeps those lights shiny for a reason. It's bright all the time there. And everything's always turned on. That's because they make money. So I think if you if you want to tail the house here, I think you take Wisconsin plus 18. I'm going to take Wisconsin in the points. This game, to me, has shades of that Penn State-Ohio State game. I, it was, I'm not sure if it was from last year or uh, or the year before. Um, and it seemed like that game was close, but yet Ohio State ended up winning like 21-7. to So it was a 14-point game. And honestly, I don't, think, I don't think Wisconsin is at that level that Penn State was at that time. And I think Ohio State is just about the same, if not better, than they were at that time compared to this year. That's a lot of hoops and turns to go through again with the feeling of the Michigan game, thinking that and thinking and believing that Michigan could win 17 by 17 points. I could very well see Ohio state winning this game by three touchdowns. And it's like kind of unimpressive, but still impressive. Uh, that's a lot of nonsense would have been saying, but I, I would feel comfortable saying that Ohio state could win this game by 21 points. And for that, I think they cover the math checks out. Miami of Ohio at Northwestern. Northwestern minus seven in this game. They keep turning the ball over, and Miami of Ohio so far this year has turned teams over. I think Northwestern wins a close one, but sloppy play keeps it close, keeps it under seven. I've got Miami of Ohio plus seven in this one. 
Um, I think the smart money here is to go ahead and grab your plus odds Ohio money line. And no, I'm not kidding. I think Northwestern is a bad football team. They beat a bad Nebraska team to start the season and people are still, you know, riding their high horse about that. Well, not so much anymore, but I'm taking Ohio in the points here. I don't know. I don't know what to do with this game. Can is Northwestern really that bad that they're going to lose two non-conference games? Really, if you turn to the ball over, opponents. they do. To absolutely, you turn the ball over that much, yeah. opponents. Yeah, I, I don't see it. <sighs> Go pick them. Pick them then. Can I push? Pick. No, no. Pick them. Miami of Ohio. Coward. Wow, coward. To cover. Coward. Coward. You know, fine. I'm bullied into it. I'll do it. I'll I'll take I'll take Northwestern. They win by ten. How about that? Attaboy. 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 There you go. You might have just bullied me into a win for the for the week. Maybe. Good. I hope so. You give into peer pressure easy. We just put that to the test sometime. See how much we can get Corey to do. Okay. FAU at Purdue. Purdue's minus 19 and a half. I think Purdue just finds a way to make these games not close, but I could see them winning this by 17, by 20, or, well, 20 where they would cover it. But I see this in the 17, 14 range. Uh, Give me FAU to cover just because Purdue's sloppy. Yeah, Purdue is sloppy, but they do always have one game where they just drop the absolute hammer on somebody and coming off a game like they just had. I expect this to be that game. Give me Purdue to cover. Purdue's going to cover this game. They're going to polywop teams. They need to polywop. That's the only difference that I see from this team from last year to this year. Um, The way they dismantled Indiana State, and Indiana State was a far far less competitive football team than this FAU team, but uh, Purdue's offense just too good. Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones are just going to have a field day. They're going to cover this. I think they could win by 28 points. Three games this week where I'm on the outside and you two have picked. I am catching up this week, boys. I am catching up. So that's what we got for today. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us uh, on Instagram and on Twitter at Big Show Pod. And then wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, follow, subscribe leave a review, anything that's going to help us out. We love you all. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everybody. Peace. Thank you.